everyone, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions in film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and although my parents would never admit it, I have a sneaking suspicion that my brother is the favorite of both of them, but it's fine. Um, I get it. He lives near them still, and I move 3,000 miles away. I'm not salty or anything. Mom, Dad, if you're listening to this, I'm fine. We can be Margaret Thatcher-level honest about this. Uh, And all this talk about favorites goes to say that today we'll be diving into The Crown Season 4, Episode 4, entitled Favorites, um, The British Way. And we have a lot to discuss, so let's dive right in. Joining me, as always, are my two co-hosts. First, a man still waiting for his civil list money. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, who's the favorite amongst your siblings? Uh, I would say I'm the mother's favorite and my brother is the father's. Got you. Um, And also back with us today, a woman who loves a good toad in the hole. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, what about you? Are you your parents' favorite? Yeah, it's a (laughs) thing. Wow. You even have a favorite dog, Rip Charlie. Oh, wow. It's fine. Um, okay, right off the bat, you know, as always, we like to disclose that if you came here for any sort of factual clarity about the crown, about the events that unfolded here, whether or not all four of these lunches actually occurred, you've come to the wrong place because we don't know. Uh, you know, we're basing everything that we know off the show that we watched, the show that you watched. So we're just going to assume that everything that we saw in the crown actually happened and is real. Um, And with that, Ivan, could you give us a quick recap of The Crown, Season 4, Episode 4, Favorites? I tried to enunciate the U. (laughs) Yes, Favorites. Um, Yeah, so uh, a lot happens in this episode. So uh, on the political end, uh, Argentina is invading the Falkland Islands, which are under uh, British rule, uh, which uh, prompts an international uh, incident. in the form of uh, intended aggression on the part of the British who want to uh, basically bring some of their uh, military forces into the Falcon Islands and make a statement about uh, who's boss, uh, which then prompts Argentina to indicate signs that they're going to be retaliating as well. Um, all of which puts Margaret Thatcher in a very stressed position because while all of that is unfolding, uh, her favorite son, Mark Thatcher, has gone missing while competing in a uh, car race that goes from uh, France all the way through uh, the Sahara. And uh, yeah, he's gone MIA, which has put uh, Margaret in a very frazzled state, uh, a state that she lets on during one of her audiences with the Queen. Um, And when she divulges that uh, she's upset because her favorite son has gone missing, uh, this then uh, uh, prompts Elizabeth to do some self-examination around whether she herself has a favorite. Prince Philip insists that she does, but he refuses to say whom. So uh, throughout this episode, we are given kind of four separate uh, extended sequences wherein she has separate lunches with all four of her children uh, to kind of get a sense of where they are in their life and see, uh, you know, who resonates most with her at this stage in her own. Uh, so she uh, starts with, uh, I believe, uh, Anne uh, visiting her at her estate. Um, uh, wait, is it Anne or is it Edward? Uh, I think she Edward. starts with Edward, yeah. She starts with Edward. Okay, so uh, Edward comes to uh, Buckingham Palace or or Windsor House or wherever it is um, for lunch. And uh, she quickly finds out that uh, he, uh, and I think at this point he's either in some kind of boarding school or college, uh, but she's found that he is kind of very 
bullied, uh, which has in turn made him uh, a bit of a, a prick uh, in that he is, basically just wants to kind of exercise his privilege and elitism to go far ahead in life, despite the fact that that he does not really have the respect of any of his peers. Uh, so she's worried about him. Uh, then she moves on uh, to Anne, who is now married and living away in her own country estate, quickly learns that Anne herself is very uh, miserable, um, uh, unhappy with her life and uh, seeking comfort in an affair that she has begun to uh, have uh, with somebody uh, who I believe is part of her staff or security force, uh, uh, someone within her kind of peripheral view. Um, And it has now been uh, proposed that this individual be moved to a different position, uh, which prompts a very upset reaction from Anne, who then storms off. So things aren't going great with her. Uh, Then uh, Elizabeth ends up meeting with uh, Andrew, who uh, we are introduced to for the first time, at least in uh, adult form. Uh, He is part of the... uh, I, 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 I'm never going to keep it straight, whether it's the Navy or the Air Force or, but he arrives uh, in a helicopter uh, and kind of makes a grand entrance and they have a, what seems to be a very uh, amicable lunch. Uh, you know, the, the mood is relatively high. Sp- spirits are soaring, but then Elizabeth kind of catches on to the fact that Andrew has uh become a bit of a Lothario, so to speak. Um, He's uh, dating actresses who are appearing in what he calls uh, himself blue films. Um, And he seems to take a lot of delight in that, uh, which leaves Elizabeth a little worried about whether, uh, where kind of his frat boy ways are going to take him in life. Um, And then finally, uh, she ends up uh, having lunch uh, with Prince Charles, who is presumably having lunch for the first time in years now. Um, And they are doing so at his uh, new estate in Highgrove. You know, he himself is, uh, I mean, he's in okay spirits, but it's very clear in the household that uh, there is already a lot of strain in his marriage with Diana, uh, who refuses to join uh, the two for lunch and instead remains in her room, locked away in bed, uh, now very, very pregnant. Elizabeth comments uh, on those going-ons and uh, makes it a point uh, to call out the fact that uh, Camillus also lives very close to Highgrove, uh, which, uh, you know, again, raises some question about what's going on there. Uh, Charles doesn't seem to deny anything. So uh, things are not great on that front as well. Uh, Elizabeth returns uh, to Buckingham Palace, uh, has a bit of a heart-to-heart with Philip about uh, you know what she learned. He, at this point, I think, then divulges that his guess is that Andrew was her favorite all along, uh, which he doesn't fully confirm or deny. Uh, but uh, in either case, she's found out that uh, royal life seems to have messed up all of her kids in one way or another. And that is... Uh, Season four, episode four, favorites. Thanks, Ivan. Yeah, so not really a great episode, I think, for any of the children. It seems like they all can do <laughs> can do with some sort of therapy, you know. But I think that also Thatcher's children could do with some therapy as well. Like, I don't think this was just an indictment on, like, the royal children. It seems like, I don't know if they're commenting on, like, the generation, because clearly Mark and Carol, uh, Margaret Thatcher's twins, you know, have some stuff they need to talk through as well. I mean, maybe it's just Thatcher and Elizabeth. Maybe. Like, we don't get a third couple here to set a kids. But, oh, man. Yeah, no, they're all... <laughs> it's bad. Not only that, the country is in very bad shape. People are very um, upset 
with Margaret Thatcher and the way that she's running the country. She's been now running the country for three years, so they're really kind of speeding along through the timeline here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I knew that this was coming, but, you know, the affinity that I had for Margaret Thatcher when she was kind of getting shot on uh, at uh, Balmoral and just, like, you know, kind of being her own person, uh, that feeling of, of uh, not affection, affection's the wrong word, but, you know, the the support that I had for her in that moment just kind of, like, dissipated in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It's like your support of her falls on both a political and a personal level because you're like, okay, first your policies suck. And look how horrible you are to your daughter. Damn, yeah. Damn, Maggie. Yeah, I mean, she, it's interesting because she really like kind of like touts herself as like very progressive. But at the same time, her biggest mantra does feel like kind of anyone can succeed but you have to just like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like the state is not going to pay for you to succeed. Oh yeah. All right. So the episode starts actually with Mark. So we're in Paris and Mark is going on. What is this? Is this a race? Like I'm confused what this really is. He's just driving through the desert. I think it's supposed to be like a kind of like long distance Iditarod style race where there's probably some breaks, uh, you know, there's probably some times where you have to like stop and pause, but just kind of seeing who can, can kind of strategically off-road their way to the final destination in record time. Am I an idiot? How do you get from Paris to the Sahara? I was thinking the or same thing. I mean... Would you go down to Spain and then through Gibraltar and then presumably like some kind of ferry or bridge if that exists? You would have to do that or you'd have to go all the way around the other way. I, I It's also possible that there there's a point in this race where like they just step in and provide transport for you. They give you a boat. But yeah, we don't really learn right away that this is Mark. We learn later on, I think through a news segment, that this is Mark and so... Mark and his his uh, driving partner, they're driving through Algeria, and then they disappear. Mark gets lost. <laughs> Not a great first impression about Mark. And also, the fact that there were two Marks referenced in this episode, I found to be highly confusing. Yeah, they don't have enough names in England. Because Anne's husband's name is also Mark, and her yelling, Mark is fine, is just confusing. <laughs> like no mark is not fine i mean no marks in this episode are fine just a, it's a bad mark episode i don't know if i realized until this episode that thatcher had kids uh but she has two kids and they're twins they're mark and carol uh and mark is her favorite she's just gonna come right out and say it he's gone missing he's her favorite and liz is like you have a favorite that's so strange what a concept well, she, she didn't say that. She didn't actually like challenge Thatcher on it. She just kind of took that comment and correct. Yeah, but what if she had? <laughs> How dare you have just a favorite? Just a little, a fun little spat during. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you couldn't. That was like the last moment that Thatcher was kind of sympathetic when she was like trying not to cry during the meeting. Like it was yeah. kind of sad. I feel like she wouldn't have. It'd be like it'd be hard to fight someone while their like kid is missing. So. Liz talks to Phil about having a favorite. Phil obviously has a favorite. And I think we all knew his favorite was Anne. He comes out and says, yes, my favorite is Anne. How is it possible that Liz has not thought about this already? Her kids are like at least all like 15 years old at this point. Well, it doesn't seem like she liked any of her kids up until now, to be totally <laughs> honest. So 
it doesn't seem like she knew any of her kids. Like she, she asked yeah. Martin to put together like a, a brief about each kid, including what their hobbies were. That's true. So, you know, maybe she doesn't think about it because they're kind of just not in her mind all the time. Okay. So maybe Liz didn't have uh, a favorite, but I think we've gotten teased, uh, not well, teased in the past by other characters kind of like talking about Liz's situation that maybe though Liz has a least favorite and it would be Charles. Uh, yeah. Do we think that? We all know that. <laughs> she doesn't seem to like Charles. So she knows she doesn't have a favorite, but she knows she has a least favorite. <laughs> But then you see the rest of the kids and you're like, it almost made me think, oh, Charles isn't that bad. <laughs> but no, it's I mean, bad. I, th I think on some level, she she needs to be a little more emotionally invested in Charles and his well-being compared to, you know, someone like Edward, who is just kind of a brat. And she probably at this point it thinks, oh, well, he can just fuck off. I mean, yeah, to think, I mean, she says it in the episode, like, I try, I wanted these other two kids, and then, like, what if <laughs> they just What was the point of that? There was no point of that. There was no point of that. At the same time, though, I respected Queen Elizabeth immensely for, like, just chastising Charles about the way that he treats Diana. Like, it's like, go off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still think that if she had added, like, one more kid interview and done it with Diana, she could have picked up, like, the most tea. Probably. Well, well, so that's the that's the thing. Like, and she even makes it a point to preface that conversation with, like, "Oh, you know, it's not really like my, uh, you know, my inclination to interfere and and assert myself, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and kind of comment on your personal life." And, and you have to imagine, to a certain degree, she's probably wondering, like, "Oh God, if something happens to Charles, like now I'm stuck with Andrew as the heir, and mm. and f and failing that, Edward." Like, she can't afford to let that happen. She needs to be real. Uh, now she has to think about the baby. That's, I mean, at least she has a baby on the way. Just, like, keep Diana good for, like, another month. She can avoid all her terrible kids. A lot can happen in a month. Well, mm. I mean, Andrew kind of seemed like he wanted to kill William. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. That maybe would have been a problem. There was an implication. Um. So it seems, though, like... Phil, like when they're having, when Liz and Phil are having this conversation, Phil seems to have an idea already who Queen Elizabeth's favorite is. He just won't tell her. He walks away. So it seems like Philip always knew that Andrew was Queen Elizabeth's favorite. Obviously, we haven't seen a lot of Andrew, so I, I, I'm at a loss for why he thinks this at this point. I, I mean, I, I see why, just based off of like, her interaction with Andrew and his general disposition, he seems to be the most cheerful, agreeable person of the whole bunch. Yeah. But I wish we could have seen that a little more. It's fine. And this is all like over the very kind of like on the nose news clip of Mark saying before he leaves that all mothers care about their boys. You know, Elizabeth really didn't seem to have much like empathy no. for Anne. I, I cut, there was an interesting um, Princess Margaret parallel there though so i wonder if they're close they have like the same problem mm. all right should we just walk through these children um let's do it let's go let's start with so edward is first edward is currently a uh what do they call it? a guardian he's not a prefect Isn't he's he a like guardian a head boy yeah but they call it a guardian he said oh okay. uh, i think that means he's in high school yeah yeah i was gonna ask is it like high school boarding school or is it a full-on college situation uh, he's at gordonston which i believe oh. is the oh. Phil, yeah. The terrible place? favorite place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, but unlike his brother Charles, 
And unlike Philip, as well, I guess Philip did eventually thrive. It seems like Edward is kind of finding his place. So he was bullied. Uh, the bullying included like flicking spit at the back of his head, super gluing his chair, calling him Jaws because he wore braces, giving him a bottle of piss disguised as wine. But now that he is the guardian, he is laying down the law. <laughs> Liz is like, oh boy. I mean, look, first look at that kid. You did want to punch him in the face. So <laughs> this totally makes sense to me. It, everything about him made you want to bully him. So hold, hold on, though. I, I know we're talking about Edward right now. So but it sounds like all of the the the, the male sons went to Gordonston. But yes. like for some reason, like Andrew didn't walk away from that hating himself and his life. I mean, I guess he was more athletically inclined. He did make it to the Navy and seems to be thriving there. But what, but what's the difference? Like what, like, I mean, he and Edward had the same upbringing. Like, is there just something inherently more off-putting about Edward? I, I think so. It seems like Andrew has a better personality. Yeah. I mean, to Carlin's point, Andrew seems a little bit more personable. I mean, Edward comes in and the first thing he says, well, the first two things he says, one is about his civil list money, like where's my 20,000 pounds? And then the second thing is why do we always have salmon, basically? <laughs> so yeah, you could really easily bully that kid. <laughs> just just throwing it out there, 100%. So wait, so civil list, is this, it seems weird that he, his lifestyle is like tied to like a very finite amount of money that he's receiving in installments like you you've never gotten the sense that like any of the royals had to just kind of like uh you know tuck away their allowance into a piggy bank and make it last a month i mean it sounds like they pay for all the basic like someone else is paying for his school someone else is probably paying for like his basics that's probably like his spending money his like allowance so to speak well, and what, he is what is a he minor. even do, what is he even doing with it in gordonston buying expensive Clothes. I mean, you can go home on the weekend. Could they go on home on the weekends? I don't know. He's place. He could get. Maybe nice he's hiring things. deputies. <laughs> well, also, also, where is home at this point? Because, like, clearly, it's it's nowhere where his parents are around because they don't even know him. That house is pretty big. I feel like you could be on another side and just. Well, they also have like ten houses, True. so I don't know. Yeah, and I think Edward also. I mean, we don't know this about Andrew, but Edward definitely seems to take advantage of his privilege. He basically says that his grades don't matter, which he's not wrong, but I feel like there's an etiquette to just saying that. Um, yeah. He's like, I can do whatever I want, and people will let me do whatever I want, and that's just the way it is. I never really need to be good at anything because of my name. So I guess wow. points for self-awareness? I don't Inspiring. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so... Yeah, I was down on Edward. Not a great first impression. Let's hope we never see him again. I thought it was interesting that Liz started with him. I wonder if she chose the order or if Martin chose the order. I think it was random, right? She she made it a point to say, like, no particular order. So I think it just came down to scheduling. But you would think that, like, scheduling-wise, like, it seems like she had to bring Edward down from Scotland. Like, Anne is at home all well, day she doing wasn't going to go to that, like, terrible school. That's true. Has she been once or has it only been Philip? Well, Philip goes every year to do that race, right? Probably. Okay, so the next person is Anne. Elizabeth goes to Anne's house. They go riding even though it's about to rain, but Queen Elizabeth likes the rain and the mud and just being out in nature with a horse. That's kind of like her ideal lifestyle. Oh, yeah. And Anne 
is having a tough time. There are too many journalists and photographers around, which is a valid complaint. That I feel like would get to me as well. Oh no, but did you hear her um her anti-feminist stance where she was just like Diana's getting way too much attention and like now I'm the <laughs> the dumpy one and it's like no and you have to someone needs to ally with this poor child. <laughs> Dude, what do you yeah. mean someone? <laughs> uh, it's not Charles. So someone yeah. needs to be nice to her. I don't get the impression that anyone is nice to her. Yeah. Um or Dan- uh, and definitely resents Diana. She's like, I work hard in third world countries, which I feel like is no, is not PC, um, <laughs> doing my charity work. No one reports on that. She's standing there. And I'm guessing, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there, I'm guessing is also probably an exaggeration. I'm sure what they do is they like, she's just in the country standing there cutting a ribbon. It's right. Just- that's exactly where i thought i thought like maybe she picks up like a ceremonial shovel and like you know starts to dig a hole and then hands it over to like a staff member to continue yeah so okay Anne. elizabeth really struggles to connect with Anne. i feel like almost more than any of her other children like she and Anne are just on a totally different wavelength well i i in, in fairness i think Anne is probably the one that is at least outwardly most spiteful to her that's true. Yeah, I don't think she, neither um, Margaret nor Elizabeth are good daughter, mo- daughter moms. That They don't have the skill set for it. Well, part of it's Anne's personality. Like, obviously, I think Liz and Charles class, clash, but Charles is so much more passive. Like, he would never spar with Elizabeth the way that Anne does. For now. Yeah. For, for now. <laughs> yeah. But Queen Elizabeth makes the mistake of asking Anne how her husband is. How is Mark? How dare she? This is a trigger. This is a trigger for Anne. Mark is fine. Uh, The reason that Elizabeth has asked this is that there have been rumors that Anne is having an affair with Sergeant Cross. And as a result, Sergeant Cross will be exiled, (laughs) basically. Wait, exiled? I I thought they were just like transferring him to a different post. No, he will. (laughs) No, (laughs) No, he just can't be anywhere in the UK anymore. I mean... I'm telling you, this is just like, it, it happens in every generation. Some like heir to the throne ha- ends up starting it, like, just a really bad match according to the crown. And then the next kid or the next daughter has an affair with some staff member. <laughs> yeah. So Sergeant Cross is now going to Brussels. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. I don't think we should be surprised here that Liz's advice to Anne is just to be patient. We've seen Queen Elizabeth make a career of doing nothing. And yep. just kind of waiting for things to pass. And this is so annoying to Anne. I mean, this is the second time she's given this advice to her children. Yeah. She told Charles the exact same thing. Yes. Basically. Um, <laughs> I love that she just left and was like basically going to leave Queen Elizabeth like in this field under this tree. She's like, well, I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> As it's about to start back. raining. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. So Anne. Good times definitely not the favorite <laughs> no i think we can tell that very clearly after this one so next is andrew uh like edward this is the first time really that we're kind of having an extended uh experience on the crown with prince andrew i was very concerned he came off kind of like a serial killer or yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so he comes in on a helicopter the helicopter says royal navy rescue pilot he is basically kind of just borrowed this helicopter. 
I loved everybody's kind of reactions as he like drove as close to the the castle as possible in his helicopter. Uh, I think Queen Mother's face and Margaret's face too were both uh, very amusing to me. Mm-hmm. I, I love that scene. That was so good. <laughs> yeah, you know what would have made this? What could have made this episode better than just crashing into the castle? Yeah, just a little bit. Just clip it a little bit. Andrew has a question. What? will his title be? He's been thinking about this a lot. What will his title be? And I didn't realize that they could really kind of choose uh, what their title was. I thought it was kind of just handed down. I, I also figured that would have been sorted out like years before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought it would have been like an at-birth thing. They're just kind of like, here's your name. Yeah, like here's they all, obviously they always knew that Charles was Prince of Wales because it's just like what the next in line is. I just assumed that there was kind of like an order and they would just go down the list. Yeah, they've had second sons before. Like, I understand now when there's, like, way too many princes in line that they have to just start picking random places in England. But there's been there's been second sons. It seems like there's a really high precedent for Andrew to just be Prince of York. Yes. Hmm. So, yeah, he's now Duke of York or oh, will be Duke, Duke of, of York. York. Excuse me. I was a little bit, like, his reaction at first made it seem like he was down on Duke of York. He was like, York. But then it seems like he came around on it because the previous Dukes of York became king by either legitimate or nefarious purpose or <laughs> means. He was really rooting for Charles to abdicate then. Oh, for sure. <laughs> He's like, well, Duke of York, good history there. <laughs> it's seen as so frustrating because like knowing what we know about like Andrew later on in his life and the directions he's going to head in, obviously we can't root for him, but I just feel like in a vacuum, like if he had made this entrance, like just as a fictional character would be like, oh, like, let, let's get more of this guy on screen. Yeah, it's true. It feels very manipulative on the part of Peter Morgan, because that's the one thing where I think most viewers would know that even if. Uh, yeah, you don't know right. Which is probably why, you know, he didn't shy away from starting to kind of hint at those perversions early on. Yeah, the real-life timeline was a little bit um, muddy for me, but this was 2020, so we knew about like that whole situation oh, yeah. already, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I remember even some like articles or just chatter being like, oh, well, you know, how's the crown going to portray Prince Andrew? And then, you know, after the season came out, like e- even subsequent headlines just being like, oh, you know, they, they, they featured him, but not much. I guess they don't. I'd be curious to see what they if they do more of him. Probably not, but they have a lot of they have more Diana to get through next season. Yeah, they gave Liz the one like if Andrew doesn't change dot dot dot. <laughs> oh my god, I think that was so funny because it's like at this point Elizabeth is very like observant and like has a really good like social emotional like intelligence, and you're like I don't. Well, well, I mean, okay, in fairness, it wasn't that subtle. Like, he's probably the only royal child that, like, she's ever, you know, had, but also, like, even met that would just go around being like, yeah, so, you know, this young girl being exposed to a a world of sexual awakening, pretty good stuff. (laughs) I think it was also implied in that movie that she got gang raped. Like, okay. Yes. Okay, Andrew. Yeah, I, I feel like that was probably what raised the flags for Elizabeth. I, I, don't, I don't think it was very subtle. That's that's fair. But I think the fact that she like talked about it, if that is her favorite child, is kind of interesting. Because you know they're not going to do anything. Like, we're, okay, if this is a problem with Andrew, it's the 80s. I think therapy exists. Let's uh, 
Let's get him over. I, 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 I mean, I don't think that she at this point fully understood or appreciated the the nature of his perversions. Probably not. But yeah, yeah you're, it, like Sam said, every single one of those children needs therapy to the highest degree. They all need it. They all need it. Um, the other thing that Andrew says, and this is, uh, you know, we haven't really touched on the Falkland issue yet. I assume we'll kind of circle back to it at the end. But Andrew is very much like, yo, if there's a war, send me. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to fight some yeah. people. <laughs> well, they, they really tried to, like, you know, beat you over the head with the fact that he is not Edward. Like, this guy, he's willing to fight for his country and volunteer and go outside of his comfort zone. Oh, and by the way, he's down with the salmon, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty salmon. funny. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I took that line to mean that he wants to be, like, an imperialist warlord. But I guess also fight for his country. I, he seemed really excited to go to Argentina in particular and fight people. Well, I don't know. My, my interpretation, and again, I think it's only because they were trying to show the contrast between him and Edward in particular. Uh, I think it was more so like, oh, this guy is not going to be exerting his privilege to avoid conflict. Like he's going to be like there on the front lines. I know that's a very like gener generous interpretation, uh, generous toward him, I mean. But I, yeah. I, I do think that they were trying to paint it as a, this guy is not Edward. Uh, he's... Uh, He's different. He he's he's a different kind of monster, but he's not that kind of monster. True, true. Yeah, they, they had a full range of them in this episode. Then Charles, oh, he's his own little type too. So fun. The Charles experience is a little bit different than all of the other children because Charles is going to change the plans, the original plans, because I think he was originally supposed to go to her, and then he's like, actually, I would like her to come to me. He wants to show her his new house. And he's the only person who we really see kind of like preparing for his meeting with the queen in some sense. He's making sure that everything is set correctly. And also we see Diana and she's not doing well. Charles is yelling at her through the door. Diana is just watching TV. So they're not really in a very good place right now. Oh, and it's so subtle, but like he says, I know you're sick. So like, excuse you. Let her be. <laughs> I mean, it's actually very possible that Diana just wanted to avoid that situation altogether because she didn't want to be around Charles when he developed a stomach ache later because he had lunch for the first time in a year. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. But no, I like the implication that like she's actually having like a rough time and Charles is just being an extra huge dick. But uh, him showing Elizabeth around his garden and then she's like, that pool isn't natural. That tennis court isn't natural. Oh, it was a fun time. He just got ripped to shreds being so boring. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many gardens did he list? He's like, this will be my... He listed five? <laughs> five gardens. I mean, we knew he liked gardens. Wall garden? Yeah. No, but it was funny. So it was the exact gardens that Diana and Camilla were making fun of him for in like the other episode. Yeah. It was like, yeah, he has his like wall garden. He has his... I don't remember what the other gardens were. But yeah, so he got all of the gardens. I mean, the one thing we know about the gardens is that there will be no straight lines. Uh, it will all be organic, and it will be a representation of him in garden form. <laughs> so, okay. okay. But that, that also seems like so antithetical to how uh, how sort of like groomed of an experience he's trying to create at, at Highgrove, especially, uh, you know, 
concerning this lunch like like you said he was the only one that wanted to just kind of like make sure everything was like you know pristine and and well prepared Mm. and then in the meantime he's like oh yeah this garden's just gonna grow wild yes oh i thought he was specifically planting it in circles (laughs) oh 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 is that it like it's just (laughs) oh it's just smooth edges that that's the that's the thing that makes it unique He's just making it into shapes. He doesn't want any straight lines, but he'll do. He'll make curves. Oh yeah. Okay. Wow. What a tool. <laughs> it was just so funny. My favorite part of the episode is, and this has become a theme here in season four. Charles starts to recite a poem, and Liz could not care less about his poem. <laughs> no, and then he was like, ta- he was complaining, like. I tried to teach Diana Shakespeare and she didn't like it. Like, why would anyone like that? But okay, so that that part was confusing because when we first meet Diana, she's all about the Shakespeare. She was probably lying. She just wanted like, to meet she likes Charles. One play, you know? Yeah, and but then it was like he was doing other things, like philosophers and like other. He was. It sounds like he would just talk at her, and then she would just kind of sit there. Yeah, I think Charles maybe just has a bad read. Like, I think Diana could like Shakespeare, but she's just so depressed, like, in that house. He's probably also not letting her see any Shakespeare plays in London, which that's maybe how she likes enjoying Shakespeare. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Charles is very much like, I'm thriving here, but Diana, and by his own admission, Diana wants to go back to London. (laughs) There's a lot of triggers here. So here's what I'm trying to figure out, though. It's like, Charles... You know, he's now, what, in his early 30s, probably. And he's decided that, like, I'm done with, you know, the the youthful city life. I'm going to retreat into the country where I'm going to just live a basically like senile existence for like the next couple of decades until my mom passes away and I'm forced to come back to the city and live in Buckingham. Like, is that his plan? Yes. I think so. Wow. That seems like his plan. And his wife is like 20. Yeah. So so basically he's going to like enjoy his retirement around like middle age, knowing that when he's like a senior, he'll be doing the most important job of his life. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, he's a mm. he's wild. I, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, basically he's making another little torture chamber like inadvertently, but he is making one. Um, And in contrast to Anne, you know, Liz, as we mentioned, says she doesn't like to interfere with your personal life. But in this case, doing nothing is not correct. You need to make some changes to your life immediately (laughs) for the sake of air and a spare. But see, this is what I mean, though. Like, like Charles is the one that she's most emotionally invested in, like for that reason, Mm -hmm. Uh, because she's certainly not throwing out those like recommendations and and asserting herself with any of the other children, even though you could argue some of them needed either like even more. Yeah, no, she's really concerned about that, that royal line that's going through the the heirs. So she has like I said, she has to be really invested in in that marriage up until the theoretical heir is old enough to not need his parents anymore. So wait, but here's my question. Could Elizabeth in theory, like once the heir is born, just like pluck him away from his parents and just like raise him to be like more well-adjusted away from all of that. Yes. But as we can see, she won't touch children. So (laughs) I think she would probably ruin the child. Not her. But I I mean, I I, I, I guess I, I, (laughs) 
I, I mean that in more of like a puppet master kind of way. Like, could she like, you know, kind of dictate where this child is going to be educated, like uh, where they're going to reside and just kind of ensure that William is spending as little time with Charles as possible? That seems like something that's within her power, right? Probably. It would just depend on how passive Charles or Diana is, I guess. Charles, yes. Diana, probably not. Yeah. This is what you do for picking a kindergarten teacher who likes kids. But part of me is like, would that experience for that child be like that different? I'm assuming Liz would probably choose not to send that kid to Gordonston. We know that Charles also is triggered by Gordonston. Like, I, I don't know how different. And we, and we already know that William be. doesn't go, right? Like, yeah, he we, we found Eaton, out right? in the Gordonston episode that he goes to Eaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so I think it would literally be the child just wouldn't be loved. Yeah. <laughs> like, in a regular, like, whole child way. But wh- which of them have been? Well, no, then look what happened. So I think, like, I think the idea was, like, I mean, because I was thinking about this, like, when she was describing her failings as a mother, you have to wonder if she was looking at every sort of, like, potential wife for Charles and being like, who's going to do a better job than me? Mm. I don't know if she was, but it's kind of interesting the way she picked someone who kind of had an opposite disposition to her. And then we mm. kind of see what ends up playing out. Whoa, yeah, that's that's insightful AF. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right so at the end liz is obviously very concerned by all four of these meetings but you know she gets kind of like reassured by her family queen mother is like well it's fine your mother to the nation that's more important than your four children and phil is like you know what at this point they're adults they need to sort themselves out like you've done all you can they are who they are oh my god they what need to sort out their own like shit a child <laughs> yeah. Not feeling I, great I'm about so it. I'm so curious if uh, if we'd seen Philip do that with all the kids, like what the different dynamics would have been. Well, I assume he has a better relationship with all of them. Like as soon well, except for Charles, except Charles. But <laughs> I feel he like it, not like Charles. True, but I feel like he at least speaks to Charles on a more consistent basis than Queen Elizabeth does. Like it's interesting that literally after every lunch, they immediately call him and are like, "What's wrong? <laughs> What's well, that's happening?" True. Yeah, that's true. So it makes you think that he's perhaps in contact with all of them on a a bit of a more regular basis. Yeah, I mean, what else does he have to do? Uh, Fly planes. Does he still do that? We haven't seen Phil fly a plane in a very long time. (laughs) We did did it last season, right? In the astronaut episode? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he got banned after that. Didn't he try to go to space? (laughs) He's going to, like, group therapy with all of the... (laughs) Oh, All of the church workers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so that's like the children's storyline. The other things that are happening are this war in the Falkland Islands, which they show us. There's basically, um, it looks like this group of kind of, I don't know, like surveyors. I don't really know. Are they like researching Antarctica? Is that what it said they were doing? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they, they're doing some kind of research, but uh, yeah, they they arrive at a spot that they expect to be empty, and instead they see, uh, what is it, like scrap workers uh, from Argentina that have kind of made themselves comfortable there. There's going to be a fight. They want the Argentines to take down their flag, and they're like, no, and they start singing at them. Singing at people, <laughs> always very disarming. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You never expect someone to start singing. Okay, so that's one. And then, obviously, Thatcher and Dennis find Mark. He wasn't actually that far off course. They were like, he could be anywhere within this Britain-sized search radius. But it turns out he was only like 30 miles off the trail. So whoever did that assessment, I think, 
a little bit overshot it, but he was 30 miles off course and they send in like a rescue chopper to go get him. And he's a little annoyed about this. He was kind of a dick to the rescue people. He's like, why did you rescue me? I was fine. And Mark, I'm not a fan of Mark. They should have taken some creative liberties here and had Andrew be the one rescuing him. That He's piloting the chopper. Hilarious. Uh, yeah, no, Mark is, Um, it's incredible how unlikable they make him within the span of like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so I think that Carol needs to escape. Yes. Her and Dennis, I guess. I don't know. She needs to just put some boundaries. Just like don't show up at home unless it's only Dennis. Yeah. I, I like how uh, Dennis uh, kind of has that heart to heart with Carol and he's just like, look, dear, I don't know what to tell you. We're the second bananas. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to mess someone up. I don't even think they're they're not supposed to be that old. They're like in their early 20s or something like your brain's still forming. What are you doing, Dennis? I was a little bit shocked that Carol does confront Margaret Thatcher about this after 28 years. You know, this was it. Like, she's probably been feeling this her whole life. And she's finally one night like, you know what, Mom? We're going to have a talk. Why is Mark your favorite? And Thatcher is like, because he's stronger than you. Like, how quickly she, like, moved away from, like, I don't have a favorite to just being like, this is why you're not my favorite was shocking to me. And and she had an answer prepared, too. Yeah, (laughs) She's been rehearsing this. It's so bad. Like, you can tell she just wanted a bunch of boys. And then she's like, oh, you didn't. I wasn't identical twins. I didn't get two marks. Well, I hate the other one. <laughs> did we do, wait? Did we get a sense of like what Mark does when he's not racing? Like, does he have a job? Uh, don't know. Okay. Nothing is coming to mind right now. My my curiosity was piqued after this episode, and I just wanted to see like if if well first to see if the the siblings are still around. But I did see that like Carol is actually like a pretty accomplished journalist. Like she's she's worked for like you know BBC and like all the major publications. But uh, and I know I'm not supposed to bring in outside information, but <laughs> she did say something once, including uh, that involved someone and the color of their skin, which will probably make her. F- far less sympathetic to us here uh i mean she is still a thatcher yeah so is mark uh, mark just my first instinct was to be like mark died young but i don't actually know he might be alive no they're both alive yeah oh okay well never mind he just seems like he would die in like a car accident i don't know he's not good at driving cars it feels like he'd just get lost and just like drive off can you imagine (laughs) if like there was a card at the end that just said mark thatcher got lost again in this year he was never found yeah mark was never found (laughs) so this is where we really get thatcher leaning into british imperialism she wants to restore britain to its glory days and you know even though all of her advisors I mean, not all of her advisors, but like 80% of her advisors are like, we can't go to war right now. There's too much going on at home. Thatcher is like, you know what we need? We need to win a war. That's what we need. No matter how far away, like the Falkland Islands are like, how far away? I think they say it's going to take three weeks for the Navy to get to the Falkland Islands. Thatcher is like, worth it. Go get those islands back. And that's how it ends. Like, that's, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Just like a bunch of ships headed to the Falklands. Oh, my God. Wow. Man. What an episode. What an episode. I mean, I liked it, I think, overall. I did like kind of having all these kind of like one-on-one moments with Queen Elizabeth and her children. This is really the first episode of the season that I feel like has primarily focused on Queen Elizabeth, and it's, I missed it, you know? 
it had a unique structure, but mm-hmm. but I but I do think it was like mixed in with a more familiar structure with the with the Thatcher uh, plot as well. Like it, it would have been cool if we had an episode that just like had these like four segments that like just kind of existed in a vacuum, and she goes from one child to the other and has like an extended visit at each one. But uh, yeah, it was it was basically spliced with a more traditional Crown episode. Yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was fun. All right, so Ivan, there were no overtly kinky moments. In this episode. But there definitely were. No, not but, I got but not like the classic Netflix overtly kinky moments. I, I mean, Ivan no was, was making naked, a point but last there was some time. innuendos. There were some innuendos. Was innuendo. Carla, would you like to talk about some of those innuendos? Well, I have one that was my favorite, and it's gonna be my only nomination because the others were kind of weak. Okay. To Ivan's point. But <laughs> there was a moment where Elizabeth and Philip were talking, and I was something someone said like or like Philip said like I got an invitation and Elizabeth goes like not that sort of invitation wink wink nudge nudge right right that was that was all I got but it was there it was there uh okay I I have a weak one uh the the implication that comes with stating that Camilla's only 15 minute drive away like that like I mean yeah that's basically like okay yeah she's your fuck buddy still oh yeah oh yeah uh, my nominee is Margaret Thatcher when she's talking to Carol. She tells Carol that your grandfather, my father, was wonderful with women. Ah, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Did she elaborate like which women? No. <laughs> like was it just no the mother? Just okay, women. just all just women. women. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's actually a pretty good one. I think. Yeah, it's nice. And we're just no, I mean, we're just we're just not gonna touch the Andrew stuff, right? No, let's no. not touch that. I was saying that's so not there's kinky. a lot of Oedipus that's complex disturbing. stuff here, but like Yeah, Margaret really loves her dad. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher, that is. Such a big fan yeah. of her dad. Yeah, I'll go with uh Car- Carlin's nomination. I guess I'll vote for my own. I don't know. All right, let's do it. That is it. <laughs> All right, not that sort of invitation. All right. Anything else to this discuss? This is why their marriage is still alive. Good for them. <laughs> Hold on, I think we actually have to break down that scene. So, like, if the door is open, like, Philip is allowed to just be like, hey, what's up? Could you, I like the idea that, like, if he wanted to inquire, he would have to, like, knock. Like, <laughs> but no, no, no. If the door's closed, he he wouldn't, like, it sounds like he shouldn't even approach. Hmm, well, it's true. definitely not as, like, conspicuous as, like, leaving a sock on the door or something. I feel like if they have their own code, it's just, like, door open, come in. It's not like there's, like, a sign, like, a chalkboard outside the door. Like, now's a good time. <laughs> Right, right, but like, is is it really like that binary? It's like if the door is open, he he should assume that he is wanted. But if it's closed, it's like, all right, I'm off to my own bedroom. I don't know if I had to live in like a weird adjoining hotel situation with a spouse. I feel like I would just have the door open to be like friendly. But you know, it's not that kind of family. It's not that kind of family. Then again, who else would do this? bedroom well 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 dennis and margaret thatcher were almost forced to it's true they were they were not about that life um anything else to that we missed here on the crown 404 i don't think so i know we didn't talk about redemption arc for who for any of them oh no i know we didn't talk about the movie the favorite during this off season but i think we've all seen have we all seen the favorite Mm -hmm. oh yeah Better, which is the better Olivia Coleman performance? This episode favorites or the movie The Favorite? Ooh. I, I mean, mean she had a lot a more lot. to do in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with the movie. I'm still kind of mad about that Emmy nomination, as we all know. 
What the Emmys in? So. Wait, wait, did she? She didn't win for this episode, did she? Well, I don't know what episode she won for, but she won. Alrighty then. So that brings us to a close on The Crown Season 4, Episode 4, Favorites. Next week, we'll be diving into The Crown Season 4, Episode 5, entitled Fagin. As Thatcher's policies create rising unemployment, a desperate man breaks into the palace where he finds Elizabeth's bedroom and awakens her for a talk. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, that sounds like it will be exciting. I did not know that that happened. Oh, yeah. Will will that be the Kinky Crown Award, I wonder? (laughs) I mean... No. There's the the log line leaves it a little bit ambiguous. Like, that possibility is there. Okay, so with that... Ivan, if people want to catch up with you about the crown, the royal family, things going on, uh, where can they do that? You can find me somewhere in the Sahara. Carlin, what about you? Um, Twitter, at Carlin Greenwald. Instagram, at Carlin underscore G-E-E. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us, if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns about the crown, is on Twitter at Pod. And that's really all we got for you this week. Thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time. God save the queen. God save save the the queen. queen.